This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The times could not be more challenging (laughs) in ways that people can easily think, give up or think, why bother? Or what can an individual do? Or a person can't make a difference. What gives me hope is that a person can make a difference and individuals collectively can make a difference. That was Gilda Barabino, president of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. If she sounds optimistic about the future, it's because over the years, as an educator and scientist, she's seen firsthand how science and tech, collaborating across disciplines, can help bring about progress for humankind. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. In addition to heading the AAAS, the world's largest multidisciplinary scientific society, Dr. Barabino is president of Olin College of Engineering in Massachusetts. She is notable for her research in sickle cell disease and cellular and tissue engineering, and for being a champion of inclusivity and equality in STEM. Listen and learn why Gilda Barabino is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm here today with Gilda Barabino, who is a scientist, educator, and the president of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, and we're delighted to have this opportunity. Welcome, Gilda. Thank you so much, Melania. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Well, you serve as the president of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Uh, I'm sure some people in our audience don't know what the AAAS does, so perhaps we could start by your telling us about the organization and how it impacts ordinary Americans and why that is so crucial these days. Sure. The American Association for the Advancement of Science is actually the world's largest multidisciplinary scientific society. And I'm going to quote its mission. Its mission is to advance science, engineering, and innovation throughout the world for the benefit of all people. And one might ask, how would you do that? Well, part of it is opening channels of communication between scientists and with the public. Also promoting the responsible use of science, education, and having public engagement. So this idea of bringing the voice of scientists and science itself to societal and public issues facing communities in the country and around the world is very important. And I'll give a concrete example that I'm really excited about. The 2023 annual meeting, which I will be presiding over, has its as its theme, Science for Humanity. And the idea is to highlight groundbreaking work, research, and education 
that advances knowledge and responds equitably to the needs of humanity. So I think that's quite a bit for that for an organization like AAAS in terms of its place in the world and how it's impacting science for global good. And a tall order for the scientific community as well. So I understand you're a biomedical engineer by training and you have a terrific interest in global health. How does biomedical engineering affect uh, broader issues like health? We don't usually put the two together. I think most people don't. Exactly. So, you know, one thing to think about something like biomedical engineering, we operate at the interface between engineering and medicine. So you're bringing engineering approaches to solve problems in medicine. And I'll give an example from my own career. I spent my career studying sickle cell disease as an engineer, applying engineering principles to study abnormal blood flow, uh, to better understand the dynamics of the disease and the mechanics of the disease so that we could come up with treatments. And sickle cell disease uh, is a genetic blood disorder, but it's global. And interestingly, the area of the world that has the most, carries the most disease burden is sub-Saharan Africa. So this idea that you can bring engineering approaches to solve a medical problem really is uh, something that makes a huge difference. I'll give you another example is the COVID response. Mm -hmm. So many might question like, well, what did engineers have to do with uh, COVID? Engineers approach COVID-19 as a systems problem. And the engineers help speed up the process of determining the genetic structure of the virus. Engineers were also involved in setting up models to understand transmission and to design processes for scaling up, producing, and distributing the vaccine. Engineers were also responsible for working with communities on how to understand the best way to, to distribute the the vaccine and to get people involved in the, the process. So just having a sense of how engineering actually can be used for problems such as a pandemic, I think gives a better sense of uh, the role that engineers play in impacting society. Very, very helpful. I know you've also been uh, really working tirelessly to bring diversity and inclusion to science and engineering, and, and certainly you've had an extensive career in higher education. Can you share with us a little bit about your work on behalf of equity and inclusivity? Yes, and I almost have to start a bit about why I've been so passionate about equity and inclusivity in science and engineering and STEM fields more broadly. Uh, based on my own experience of feeling a bit excluded and not understanding the power of science and engineering as a potential field for a career. When I started out, and I would say a big turning point for me was uh, in high school chemistry, where the girls, the women in the class, were really meant to feel like, why bother? Chemistry is not something you'd be interested in. And it was from that experience that I actually decided to major in chemistry at the undergraduate level. And it was almost like, I'll show you. And I've spent my career 
really looking for ways to expand opportunities for others who might not have them and understand how this might be a pathway for them to make a difference in the world through science and engineering. And it turns out if we don't reach out to everyone broadly and tap fully tap talent, we're missing huge segments of the population who could actually contribute to solutions. When we think about the, the questions that we need to answer, who's asking the questions? And how are we defining the problems that are of interest to us? If we don't have a diverse group of perspectives and a, group, a diverse group of people doing that, we don't necessarily pursue the best scientific questions or come up with the kinds of uh, solutions that we need for the problems at hand. One of the things that's really important is if we don't have different perspectives and different people present for the kinds of problems that are of interest, we miss out. So we may do a design, for example, that has a seatbelt that doesn't fit women or doesn't fit children because we did not include those people, those individuals in the design process. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
You know, Gilda, we worry so much, and rightly so, that we don't have enough women and certainly people from the minority communities in STEM, and we have to do better. And yet, we also are struggling to open up more academic settings within STEM for women and people of color. How best to do that? What are your experiences in that realm? I think one of the easiest ways to add to our population or or to reach those who aren't typically reached in science and engineering is to help them understand what it is, what the field is, and how they can contribute to it. To understand how science and engineering is relevant to their lives and to their communities. We have found that when there's exposure and an understanding of how do you actually use science, engineering, technology to address problems of interest to you, you absolutely attract more women, more racially minoritized groups, more indigenous groups who have not necessarily been attracted because they have not seen that as a a field where they could actually use the knowledge gained to apply in areas that are important to them. So that's one strategy that I think is very much underused. And if we approach that strategy, just basics, people also want to be able to see themselves in a particular field, in a discipline, in an area. So another strategy would just be to have more representation of people who look like them including other students, including faculty, including administrators. The power of being able to see yourself where you want to go cannot be underestimated. Well, to that end, you're not only a female leader, you're a female leader in science, which is still more rare than commonplace, uh, but we're doing a little better. What was there in, in your background as you were growing up? that made you the person you are today? Was there a particular moment uh, that set you on the path that you were on and continue to be on uh, with great achievement? I think for me, when I think about, when I reflect on my own career path and what got me started and what are some of the founding fundamental drivers that have kept me going, it's really been this love for education, for learning new things. My parents instilled in me and my siblings that education was the most important thing and there was power in education and you needed to be the best that you could be. You were competing against yourself to actually learn and do better and to use that education for the betterment of yourself and others. So that driver has always been there for me, but also the driver around what's fair and equitable. So I decided that the way that I was going to make a difference in the world was through education, my own and educating others. And as I reflect, I can see many of the choices that I made along my career path were all about this combination of education and education in, in, in an equitable manner. And I think a real turning point really was when I felt that chemistry, for example, was being posed as something that was for some and not others. And that actually was a a real turning point 
And that I thought, never am I going to be in a position (laughs) where it's like, you cannot do something because someone decided for you that you couldn't do it. You know, and that was an interesting um, reaction on your part because it could have been the opposite. And I think for many, uh, a girl say, um, being told that they may not be up to math or science is an immediate turnoff. They just don't try. Uh, Whereas with you, your psychological makeup was, well, I'll show you. Exactly. Uh, So uh, it can work both ways. And I realized that it can work both ways. And I think that that also helped drive me to think about, but what about the women? What about those from racially minoritized groups or other uh, ways that they were, were not having access? And they did not have the strength to say, no, I'm going to push back. So that's driven me to another uh, aspect of my work that I think it's very important for us to change the systems, to change the environments and the cultures, to put more onus on the leaders, on the educators, the administrators, on the institutions themselves, on the organizations, to put the onus on them to create climates, environments that are supportive and welcoming and to do the the outreach and engagement that we are intentionally, actively, and aggressively reaching out to those who may not know the system, who may not have someone to tap their shoulders and say, hey, it's your turn, come this way. It's on us to change those conditions and the environments so that we can be more welcoming. I wonder, um, in that context, if you could share with us some of the benefits you've seen um, personally uh, in the programs that you've led, uh, certainly in your students, because you've been a longtime educator and you have been a, a leader uh, for inclusion and equity, as you've been discussing with us here. Um, what what kinds of of positive changes have you seen as a result of that? I've seen a lot of positive change over the years in how we engage and empower students. I think we are most effective when we treat the students as being responsible for their own learning uh, in collaboration with the educators in collaboration with faculty who can serve as guides. When we work collaboratively, when students work on teams, when they work on teams on problems of societal interest, they have this opportunity to actually hone their skills personally and professionally while doing good. And what I find is that There's a real need and a desire. The students of today want that. They want to make a difference. They want to be able to interact with others. And collaboration and having some agency and sense of purpose for those we are educating and for the educators has really started to make a difference in how we are producing those to be civic minded and technically prepared to actually go out in the world furthering their careers and and 
and making a difference in society as we hope they would. You know, um, we quickly run out of time in these conversations, but I want to ask you before we close, you've been an educator as we've been discussing, and I think being an educator, um, you inherently believe in the possibility of a brighter future. These are difficult times. They're challenging in so many ways. And I wonder what gives you hope. The times could not be more challenging <laughs> and in ways that people can easily think, give up or think, why bother? Or what can an individual do? Or a person can't make a difference. What gives me hope is that a person can make a difference and individuals collectively can make a difference. What gives me hope is that we always need to look to our youth. And the youth that I see today are coming with energy and excitement and enthusiasm and thinking beyond themselves. The youth of today, I see more and more emphasis on things like social justice. I see the youth of today pushing us to do better, to be our better selves, and to be more responsible for how we take care of society and, how, frankly, how we take care of the planet. When I see that, especially as an educator, I have hope. And I really think that uh, we should be thinking positively and optimistically because in spite of all of the challenges that we face, we are also equipped. We also can connect in our humanity. Technology has advanced at rapid rates. So we can harness that in ways that we really can do better for the future. Well, thank you so much, Gilda Barabino, for that uh, inspiring closure to this conversation, uh, but for just inspiring us throughout the conversation. Uh, about the importance of uh, education, science, inclusion, diversity, and so much more. Thank you for all you do and for being the example that you are. Thank you. Well, that was a much welcome dose of optimism. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, it's fascinating to hear how collaboration the concept of coming at a problem from different directions can be the key to success. Dr. Barabino told us how engineers working alongside medical scientists brought their special perspective to COVID-19 and helped discover its structure, how it's transmitted, and how best to distribute vaccines. Second, Dr. Barabino reminds us about the importance of bringing women and minorities into STEM. Finally, Dr. Barabino suggests that science can become more inclusive and keep its innovative edge by aggressively reaching out to those who are now underrepresented. As she says, it's time to tap these people on the shoulder and say, hey, it's your turn. Come this way. Tune in next week to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.